You are Locked On Orioles, your daily podcast on the Baltimore Orioles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Locked On Orioles. This is the place where we are desperately hoping for the season to end soon because it has been a very, very bad, bad season for the Baltimore Orioles. You all know that. If you're listening to this podcast, you're an Orioles fan and you've suffered along with the rest of us. But anyway, this is the place to get your Orioles news and analysis. And today we are joined by Josh Soroka. He is one of the co-hosts of Section 336, a Baltimore sports podcast. Josh has been on the podcast several times before. Um, He and I kind of talked about what do Orioles fans look forward to over the next month? We know they're well out of contention. We know that they are going to lose, you know, 110 to 120 games, something like that. We know they've pretty much locked up the number one pick in next year's MLB draft. So as fans, what do we do in September? What do we look for? What do we think about? How do we look at this team in terms of the future, in terms of the past, in terms of the present? All those sorts of things. We're going to get to that conversation in just a second. Hey, folks, just a reminder. For all the original content of the Locked On Podcast Network, both the podcasts and the written content on every team, go to LockedOnSports.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Locked On Orioles. We are joined again by Josh Soroka. He is one of the co-hosts of Section 336, an excellent podcast that looks at all things Baltimore sports. Um, And Josh, we're talking here, there's mere weeks left in the baseball season. Um, I know your podcast focuses on other things as well, so I guess you guys have kind of moved on to the Ravens at this point, huh? I I wish we moved on. We haven't moved on yet. (laughs) Uh, Football season starts this week, so I'm sure we will be moving on. But the Orioles are our passion, so even in November, we're going to be talking Orioles. Oh, you and me both. Um, we were talking before we started recording, but you know, this is you. You guys know this as well as I do. Um, you're you're trying to do the same thing I'm doing here and talking about the Orioles in in a in midst of a horrific, you know, historically bad season, and it's been really tough. I know. I, again, I know you guys have dealt with it. I've dealt with it. anybody who's trying to do a podcast or a blog on the Orioles this year is dealing with this. It's just not a lot of fun to talk so much about a team that's so bad, is it? It's not, and you got, and you. It's also not entertaining. So we find in doing the podcast, we got to find other ways to to make it entertaining. And at this point, you just got to laugh at the Orioles because if you're not laughing, you're crying, and a crying podcast is not very entertaining. Yeah, and so I, I think one of the things I've been trying to do is looking at a lot of the minor leagues and the prospects and. Uh, you know, looking ahead and that sort of thing. But there's only so much of that you can do before it becomes a prospects podcast, you know. And I, I don't yeah, want, of course. I don't and want minor to... league baseball ended yesterday. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So that the next few weeks are going to be tough for me. Um, you know, and anybody who's trying to do an Orioles podcast the next few weeks going to be tough. But right. that's the thing I kind of wanted to talk to you about. Um, you're passionate about the Orioles like I am, like anybody who's anybody who's listening to this podcast in September is definitely a passionate Orioles fan. What can we as Orioles fans do over the last few weeks of the season? We know that um, the team obviously is, is terrible. We know they're going to lose, you know, 110 or more games. We know at this point they've almost certainly locked up the number one pick in the draft next year, so you don't even really have that to follow um, what what is as an Orioles fan? What are you looking forward to? What are you, what are you trying to do to get through the next few weeks of this horrible season? This is a season where everything's gone bad. So what I like to see is is a little bit of the future in watching a guy like Cedric Mullins. And though I don't think he's the All Star center fielder yet, I think he has potential 
to get there to be a suitable everyday center fielder for us. And I, I'm, I like seeing him improve each week. Um, I like seeing these guys that we brought in, like Villar. I think it's amazing in many ways. He may be better than Scope, at least right now. And we'll have to see how the long on the long run how it goes. Um, and then I like these pitchers that they're bringing up. Like this Rogers kid, he seems like a, a neat guy. Never heard of him before. He comes in, he has pitched two starts so far. I've been impressed with what he has. Doesn't go deep into games yet, but I think that's more of they don't want to push him deep into games. And, of course, at, at some point here, and I, I haven't seen all the details on this. Maybe you've seen more than I have about what September call-ups might be coming. I know some of the guys are going to let their – uh, they haven't made all the decisions yet, and I don't think they're going to bring up a ton of guys. But are, are there any particular guys you're looking forward to seeing in September? Sure, sure. Um, yeah, I imagine they're not going to bring guys up until they're back home. But, um, yeah, I think there's, again, pitchers, 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 because pitching's been so bad. It's really weird to see that David Hess has the most quality starts out of any rookie in the American League, because that doesn't make sense to me. Right. When I watch the games, and I want to see more of David Hess. I want to see guys more in that pitching bubble. The Norfolk Shuttle, all those guys that came up and down. I want to see more of them to know if these guys are anything going to be any help in three years or if these guys are a stopgap. Um, I'm curious about other outfielders like Austin uh, Hayes and uh, DJ Stewart. I'd like to see them come up here because right now the outfield looks completely different than it did on opening day. And next year it's going to look completely different. Um, but outside of that, I'm actually intrigued in some of the veterans. I'm intrigued with Trey Mancini and Chris Davis, who have had bad years. And suddenly they're playing well this month. And the August has been pretty good for those guys. And I'm curious to see where Davis ends up at the end of the season as far as bat and average did he figure something out or did he just give up and now he can hit the ball? Was he pressuring himself too much? What's going on? And is there any little thing that I can see to get me excited for next year? Yeah, it's like, I mean, Chris Davis is an interesting guy because he's he's going to be around one way or another for the next four years. Um, at least some of that. I mean, it's, it's certainly possible, maybe even likely that he's not going to make it to the end of that contract on the roster. But he's going to be around for a while. So any... Any signs of positivity from him are good because we're going to be stuck with the guy for a while. And like you, I'm a little bit excited that Mancini has has seemed to have figured it out a little bit in, in you know in the last month or so. He's hitting a lot better, looking a lot more like the guy we saw in 2017. And he's another guy who you figure is going to play some part in the Orioles over the next few years at least. So it would be nice to see if he he can be a major league hitter again. Yeah, and that's going to be something interesting to watch in the off season and all is how the Orioles handle that. When we all know that we got to get Mancini to first base because we have outfielders coming up, and Mancini's not an outfielder, so that'll be interesting to see how they handle that. Yeah, it's this is a you know conversation I've had with several guests, but there's there's such a such a weird kind of uh, block there on the Orioles with Davis and, and Trumbo to a lesser extent that you want to get Mancini to first because, like you said, you know obviously you already have Mullins up. You've got guys like Hayes and Diaz on the horizon who are going to hopefully be in the Orioles outfield before too long. Um, even guys like DJ Stewart maybe up at some point. You can't really 
have Trey Mancini in the outfield for very much longer, I don't think, um, if these right. guys are going to get a chance to play. So the question becomes then where do you put him? If you could put him at first, maybe move Davis to DH, but then you've got Trumbo. Trumbo's another guy, obviously, he's injured. He's not going to play the rest of the year. Um, I know a lot of fans have been try- hoping that maybe the Orioles would try to unload him in the offseason. Do you think his injury makes that less likely? No, because I think they're going to dump him and not look for much in return because they have to. I don't think – it's not like him playing, continue to play, and he didn't have a good enough season that it's going to – he doesn't have any trade value to begin with. And I think they know they can't continue with him. Yeah, it's it's – it's an unfortunate situation. They never, honestly, never should have signed him in the first place, given that, you know, they had Davis already under contract for so many years. And, you know, that's a contract they probably shouldn't have signed either, but that's another story. So, right. but, you know, you know, I had one bad contract and they had another bad contract on top of it for guys who are essentially the same position, you know, first base DH. You know, I know Trumbo, they've tried him at outfield some, but I think he's been even worse than Mancini in some ways in the outfield. Um, and this is a, just a, a common problem with this team is like uh, just too many left fielder, first baseman, DH types that they're trying to fit into two, you know, three positions. That, and it, it hasn't really worked out the way that, that, that you would – that it's, I, I'll put it this way. It's worked out the way that you think it might. It's like, it well, hasn't worked out very well. The problem is that is the American League style of baseball is, is bring in as many bats and figure out a way to get them in the lineup and don't stress about anything else as long as you can hit home runs. When you don't hit, you can't play that style of American League baseball. You mentioned Cedric Mullins, and I think that's one of the reasons that I'm excited about Cedric Mullins, and I think a lot of fans are, is that he's a guy who has speed. Um, he's a good defensive player. He's a guy who might be able to steal some bases. He'll take a walk. Um, he's He has some power, but he's not really a, you know, a huge power guy like so many of the Orioles players have been in recent years. He's kind of a throwback in a lot of ways, and I think that's one of the reasons that he's so much fun to watch. Yeah, and just that in general is another reason to watch the Orioles, is they're not playing your standard Oriole style of baseball anymore. They're stealing bases. I don't know if it's the added additions of Valara, Mullins, and Nunez, but they're stealing bases and they're playing a little bit more small ball in September now that it doesn't matter. Yeah, and it's interesting because, you know, we know this team for so long has been a lumbering home run hitting type team. Um, and when you look at some of the the prospects who are on the horizon not there. are not necessarily a lot of uh, you know. There's not a lot of Chris Davis, Mark Trumbo types coming up. There's our guys who are uh, maybe faster, maybe more line drive type hitters. Uh, guys who will take a walk more than some of these guys will. So it will be interesting to see how this rebuild goes. We may we may be seeing an entirely different kind of team. Yeah, and then I guess the the final thing I would add for this season is to just go and watch Adam Jones. That he is been so meant so much to this team to this city that just go and cheer him on and enjoy adam jones more i saw drew forrester was pushing that the orioles should make the last home day adam jones day and do an adam jones giveaway and celebrate adam jones throughout the game and i think that should happen and i think that's as oriole fans we need to just enjoy adam jones and show our appreciation over the next three weeks absolutely yeah i couldn't agree with you more adam jones has you know, he's just been such a great representative of this team, a great representative of the city, somebody who, you know, you could always point to with pride that, you know, he was 
a guy who carried himself with a lot of class and a lot of de- you know integrity and dignity and just just everything you want in, in an athlete when you have you know have kids and you want to if you want athletes to be role models which I think is probably a bad idea in the first place but Adam Jones is a guy you could always point to and feel good about that and um, of course he's been a, been a heck of a player for most of his time here too as well so you know I'm really going to miss Adam Jones I mean I think it's it's clearly that it's clear that it's time for him to move on but I certainly am going to miss him as a fan yeah and I don't think it's clear who takes his role as like the guy we see as the team captain who is handles the fans well handles the media well and handles his teammates well I don't think we have that person currently on the Orioles no I I would agree with you I don't I don't think we have that person at all um you know, you look at the veterans who are going to be back on this team. It, you know, Davis is, is obviously the one who's been around the longest. I don't see him taking on that kind of leadership role for a variety of reasons, one of which is his, his struggles on the field certainly, you know, make it difficult for him to be that kind of guy. Um, I'm, you know, Mancini, I don't know. Is he capable of that kind of leadership role? I don't know. Maybe we'll see. Um, and again, though, he's going to have to stay in the lineup and be productive to, to take on that kind of role. Um, so the guy who, who takes on that role may be somebody who's in double A right now, right? It may be somebody we don't even know yet. Uh, it, it's going to be a few years, I think, before there's anybody who even has remotely that kind of leadership capability. And frankly, those guys don't come around every day. I mean, you know, I, the Orioles, it's not like it's not like every team has an Adam Jones, you know, and it's not like you're just going to fill that vo- void automatically with somebody else. You have to find the right guy. Right. And that's why I personally have been pushed that I have no problem with renewing Adam Jones and keeping him around the next three years to be that leader and mentor to the young guys. I don't know if that's what he wants to do, but I have no issue with that taking up one of our 26, 25 slots. I, I guess I would disagree slightly just in the fact that I think Adam Jones is going to, wherever he goes, he's going to want to play. And I don't think the Orioles necessarily want to commit an outfield spot to him, given all these young outfielders who are going to be coming up over the next few years. I think it's that's something I would I think might be a little bit risky, but but I certainly see where you're coming from. Right, and I understand that too. I think I think none of those guys coming up are currently better than a, a, another year of Adam Jones, but I do think I don't think he's willing to take the step back and be a. Um, utility outfielder not an everyday guy right and i think that's ultimately even if it's not next year certainly within the next few years he would have to step into that role as guys like hayes and diaz and you know and and possibly someone like stewart come up um someone like mckenna eventually maybe as those guys come up and are going to need playing time it's it's difficult to see them giving a lot of at bats to you know a guy who will be 35 in a couple of years you know so of course yeah it, it's it's a tough position and, and unfortunately it's he's probably going to end up leaving before he wants to leave Baltimore but that's just how it goes with rebuilding teams and this is something a lot of fans have been clamoring for for a long time is full rebuild mode. And we're going to get it now. And part of what that means is you have to give up on fan favorites. You have to give up on a lot of veterans who've been around for a while and kind of start over. And that's part of the pain of, of rebuilding. Yep. The, uh, the, I think it's this week the Orioles are doing the This is Birdland t-shirt giveaway. And I smile every time I see that commercial because I look on the field and this is not Birdland. This is not the team that I fell in love with for the past few years. It, it, we are going through a change. Absolutely. It's it's a new era. And that's um, going back to Mullins. It's, I think, one of the things that 
people like about Mullins is that he seems like maybe he's the beginning of the next wave, right? Cedric Mullins, yes. maybe, maybe in five years, if the Orioles are good again, he'll be the guy who was, you know, there from the beginning and everybody else will be like a different face than we've seen in 2018. That's um, the plan. Yeah, I mean, and hopefully the plan works. And even if, you know, and, and I've had this conversation with other people too. It's like the problem with a re, any rebuild in baseball is even if you do everything right, if you do everything smart and you make good decisions, you know, it doesn't always work. There's some things go wrong. Guys who look like they're great prospects don't pan out. Guys get injured. Um, other teams, you know, have successful rebuilds at the same time and you're not quite as good as them. You know, the Orioles are in a tough division. There's a lot of reasons why a rebuild might not be as successful as we want it to be, but they have to at least try because what they've been doing isn't working <laughs> clearly. So it's, it's really time for this. All right, so speaking of that, just let's, let's look ahead a little bit to the, you know, a month from now when the season's over, well, the season's over for the Orioles. Um, that's when we start really getting into some very important decision-making in terms of the the leadership of this team, right? We got Dan Duquette and Buckshaw Walter have their contracts up at the end of the year. And I don't think, I don't know about you, but I don't feel like I'm any clearer now than I was at the beginning of the year as to what the future of those guys is with the club. No, it's, I'm not clearer. And personally, I'm more torn up about how I feel it should go. So, um, yeah, I have no idea. I love the stuff that Dan Duquette says going into this rebuild. Right. I wish he would have said this stuff five years ago, but I know that's above him. And I love that the the ownership is open to these other ideas now. I love Buck Showalter as a manager. I hate that he now has a losing record with the Orioles. If you told me at the beginning of the year that Dan Duquette was was going to be back after 2018, I would said you're absolutely insane. But now I think it's possible because he clearly was the guy in charge of all the trades at the deadline. You know, they, they sort of made him the public face of all that. They let him talk. They let him, he clearly, you know, he was making the decisions, it seems like anyway. Um, so do they bring him back and like really let him run the team in a way that maybe he hasn't been able to before because of ownership interference? Uh, that would be an interesting way to go, I think. I, I would be very interested to see what Dan Duquette could do if he's allowed to just kind of do his own thing and not have to worry about whether Peter Angelos is going to go behind his back and, and sign Chris Davis to a seven-year contract. Right, and I think books could be written about how much an owner going behind the back and signing a deal that huge affected the Dan Duquette uh, plan. But yes, I, and I'm all for Dan Duquette staying around because he has proven in the past month, month and a half, that he can turn this team around, that he knows how to rebuild a team from the trades he made to the international signings he's made. Nothing major and big, but little things to get me excited, and he says the right things. So Dan Duquette, I'm all for him staying. Uh, I think that puts a big question mark on Buck Walter, though. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think, honestly, as much as I've loved Buck Walter as a manager – and as much as I think he's a huge part of Orioles history now, it probably is time to move on to a new voice in the clubhouse. Um, with you know, with so many new players on board and so much um, so much uncertainty, I think it's time to bring in a, in a new voice and and maybe bring the the Buck Showalter era to a close. And and I hate to say that, but you know, every manager has a shelf life. And he's been around for a while now. I think what this is his ninth season with the Orioles, something like that. So it's it's time to. 
it's time to move on, I think. I agree. And I, I hate saying that. I that If you asked me four months ago, I would not have said that. But I don't think Buck Showalter's ready for three more years of losing. I don't think he's ready to, to take young guys and rebuild it. I think he was the right manager for this generation, for this segment of the Orioles. And um, unfortunately, I think it's time for him to go. I think, I hope we see a new guy come in who has never managed in the majors before. I want to see a new voice and a new look at, at this rebuild. Yeah, I'm with you. I, what I don't want to see is a, a retread like Brad Osmus or something, you know, which is, seems like the kind of thing that, that maybe they would have done in the past. I'd like to see somebody new, somebody maybe who's come from a successful organization, somebody who is analytically inclined, kind of gets the, the way baseball is played in 2018. Uh, and like you said, is a, is a new voice, somebody who is, is new to the organization. I think I think that's what they need right now. Yeah, I don't even mind if it's someone – from within the organization, I keep toying with the idea of Billy Ripken. And I really like that idea every time I, I toy with it as a guy who understands both the Oriole way, the basics of baseball, but has seemed to understand analytics and done enough of the on the broadcast side to really understand the game uh, as it's changed since he's played. Yeah, I think that, you know, that media experience sometimes is very helpful for these guys. It gives them a, a perspective on the game that you don't necessarily see from the inside. So that would be an interesting, that would be an interesting choice for sure. Um, but like I said, and I've had this conversation with other people too. It's like part of the problem with whoever the next manager is, is like you said, they're going to be enduring a lot of losing for the next few years. Yes. And so you maybe, maybe you don't even necessarily want the long-term guy in right now. You know what I mean? You may want to, bring in just like a placeholder until you get the guy you really want because that's that's a tough gig for anybody is to be the manager of a team that you know is gonna you know be lose 90 to 100 games every year for the next three seasons or something like that right and that manager's got to come in knowing that's the case and that he has this bigger goal of just teaching these kids and forming them into this team yeah absolutely it's a it's definitely going to be the role for somebody who likes working with young players um and isn't going to get isn't going to live and die with every loss because there's going to be a lot of losses coming over the next few years, unfortunately. Right. All right. Well, Josh, thanks so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. I wish we could have talked this season uh, under more pleasant circumstances. I wish we were talking about pennant races right now and playoff rotations and that sort of thing. But what we're talking about is who, you know, number one pick next year and, and rebuilds and new managers. So, um, Maybe in, maybe in a couple of years we can have the conversations about that, and maybe they're on their way now. But um, let's get together again at the end of the year once they've made some of these decisions about Duquette and Showalter and, and see what we think at that point. Oh, yeah, of course. And I'm just thankful that we actually have a direction now where we haven't had that as Oriole fans. When it's gotten bad, we've just had questions. Now we have a direction, which is nice. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I think the Orioles – as weird as it sounds, the Orioles are in a better place now than they've been in a long time because they are finally realizing that it is time to, to rebuild and time to stop kidding themselves about where they are. Uh, and, and that's going to, I think, help them, help them make the tough choices over the next few yes. years. All right, Joshua, thanks a lot for joining us. No problem. And that's going to do it for another edition of Locked On Orioles. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.